Oh, well. Some things are more important than others, and some things are not important at all. What is important is that we have a relationship with the Lord. Amen. What a joy it is to see all of you this morning, see some, and and this is not a good word to say, familiar faces. I started to say old faces, but that wouldn't be good, you know, but some familiar faces and some new faces, and new faces are always good when you get them around the familiar faces. And uh, But to be in God's house, in God's presence, is the most precious gift we have. And how sad it is that we too often treat that very lightly. And we shouldn't. I thank God that we do take out time. Even a lot of people who would not ordinarily take out time, but at Christmas time, people take out time to acknowledge the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born. They may not know him, but our prayer is that they will know him. But it's a joy for Wanda and I to be here again this year. We look forward to this. This is kind of a special thing. And like I said, uh, or she said, David has known us since he was, yeah. And uh, we won't go back and and go over some of those things that happened when he was 11 and 12 years old, 10, because those were kind of weird weird moments in life that we kind of remember. Um, David used to have a chihuahua named Pepe, and he got mad at me because I wouldn't let him bring it to church. Yeah, of course, Pepe was Pepe might have got saved that night. I don't. He never. <laughs> uh, things change daily, and when you put all those changes in a year, that's three hundred and sixty-five or six days. That's a lot of changes in, in a year, but. God never changes. I want to sing a song this morning, but before I do, we've got our table back there with our books and CDs. Actually, I've only got a couple of CDs left. We're about uh, getting to the end of our supply of the CDs, but I'm going to be sharing this morning on the importance of being born again, and I have a book back there on how to know that you've been born again. And uh, this book, this is just the third, third church I've had it in. I just got it printed three weeks ago. When God speaks, do it. Well, when? Now. Um, I've learned through experience and time that God is a God of timing. It's amazing what happens. And I've thought about this recently. A couple of years ago, we moved to Oklahoma to live next door to our son and his wife because they felt like that people our age need to be close to somebody who could watch after them. And uh, uh, we, we had a big old pit in the back where we had cut down two elm trees from the place where we put our house. And it was a huge pit, about the size of this sanctuary. And we'd buried two trees and a piano and all kind of stuff to just, it was just full of stuff. And then we started putting dirt in it to fill it up to make it even and i had uh hired a guy to bring us some dump truck loads of dirt and he had brought me a couple and he was bringing one more and he got too close to the pit and it caved in and the dump truck was sitting on the axle with two wheels in the pit and i oh no and I looked going down the road was a huge truck. In a moment or two, that truck turned around and came back and pulled into my drive and said, do y'all need help? I said, duh. And timing. This truck driver was from Oklahoma, I mean, from Colorado. And he had come to our little town to pick up something. And he was off the interstate and over on the, the, the old highway. And he just happened to come by my, my house just about 30 seconds after that dump truck sank in that hole. 
And he just happened to look to the left and see it. And he just happened to have a winch on his truck. And he just happened to turn around and come back and ask if he could help. And he pulled that dump truck out of that pit. And I'm figuring I might be paying 200 or $250 to get it pulled out. And I said, how much do I owe you? He said, oh, not a thing. I'm just happy to do it. Timing. Timing is everything with God. It's not coincidence. I believe that God knew in advance that dump truck was going to sink. And he saw that truck coming down the road. He said, you need to get off the interstate and get over on Highway 77 and do it right now because I got a, I got a kid down there that's got a problem. And we got to believe that God is aware of us at all times. And when God speaks to you, do what he says do because that's the time to do it. The books and the CDs are $10 a piece or three for 25 and you're welcome to come back and see us And even if you don't get a book. But uh, I don't write books to prove how smart I am because that would be a failure in the first place. But I write books to try to share what God has taught me. And I am... Thank God I'm still learning. In fact, I've learned a whole lot more than I ever thought I would learn at this age because I thought I knew a whole lot more than I knew when I thought I knew something. So if you just hang in there, if we just hang in, we might learn something before we get out of this world. We're going to sing a song. I said we, because you're going to sing it with me. And it's, Anybody ever heard of an echo song? Well, see, years ago, before we had books and all that stuff, only the choir director usually knew the words. And so he would say the words, and then the congregation would say the words after him, echoing what he said. So they named them Echo Songs. And since you don't know the words, and I do, and I've got them on my iPad right here because I forget them every once in a while, then I, I'll say them and you say them. So would you stand and we're going to sing a song entitled, Oh, My Brother, Where You're Heading. Okay? So repeat after me. Oh, my brother, where are you heading? Where are you going when you die? Are you heading up to heaven? That home on high? Oh, you've already got it. So all you got to do is just sing it along with me. Oh, my brother, where are you heading? Where are you going when you die? Are you heading up to heaven? That home on high. Are you making preparation for the meeting in the sky? Oh, my brother, where are you heading? Oh, where are you going when you die? When you die, nobody wants to go below when from this earth come on there's so much gold if you would heaven's glory share then choose the way that leads you there Oh, my brother, where are you heading? You're getting it. Just come on. Where are you going when you die? Are you heading up to heaven? That home on high. Are you making preparation for the meeting in the sky? Oh, my brother, where are you heading? Oh, where are you going when you die? Oh, come on. It all depends upon the way you choose to live from day to day. If you refuse the Savior's love, you cannot see that home above. You're doing good. Oh, my brother, where are you heading? 
Where you going when you die? Are you heading up to heaven? That home on high. Are you making preparation for the meeting in the sky? Oh, my brother, where are you heading? Oh, where are you going when you die? When you die. Amen. Y'all did so good. And wasn't that kind of fun, too? Oh, it's kind of, you know, uh, you can't have fun in church. It's all right. There's not a scripture in the Bible that says you cannot have fun in church. And I've been to some churches where there was no fun in church. And I've been to some churches that I have said to my wife, I would not attend this church. In his presence is fullness of joy. It's kind of a blunt thing to say, but if if you don't have joy, then you're not in his presence. And I've seen a whole lot of sad, lonely, miserable, making everybody else miserable, professing Christians. And I say professing because I, I got a question whether or not you is if you're not happy about it. Makes you wonder, give you some thought. I, uh, Scarlett said something a while ago that it's just funny. The thing I was talking the other day about the funny things we say, preachers say, we say things like, stand to your feet. Yeah, what, what, just, just say stand. Uh, just like people will introduce, we're glad to have Brother David and his beautiful wife, like I've got an ugly one at home. <laughs> we say things like, I found Jesus. He wasn't lost. You were, dummy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so some of the things that we say really don't make any sense at all, even though we understand it. It's kind of like babies. You know, I've, I, they've, they've determined that babies understand each other. They've, they, we don't understand what they're saying, but they understand it. So I don't know, but... Uh, I want to share a message with you today that has been very heavy on my heart the last few months, even before I started sharing this message. And um, I hope that you don't get upset with me today for preaching this message, because if you do get upset with me, it's probably an indication that you needed to hear the message. And if it doesn't apply to you at the moment, it may apply to somebody else that you know and you need to minister to. Like the book that I've got back there, that How to Know That You've Been Born Again. Maybe you know that you've been born again, but there's some people out there that, that have not been born again. And some of them think they have been. And somehow or another, we've got to reach the lost, and they are still lost. My message is, you better know that you know that you know that you have been born again. Don't take a chance. I was watching TV a couple of Sundays ago, and I was watching David Jeremiah, and in his, as he was, as he was talking, he said, these same words, you better know that you know you've been born again. I said, Thank you, Lord, for confirming what you put in my spirit and in my heart. Because it's not worth taking a chance on. Because it's not, I hope I'm born again. It's not, I think I'm born again. And it's really, really not, well, we'll never know until we come to Judgment Day. Oh, yeah, you can know. You don't have to wait till Judgment Day to find out whether or not you've been born again. In the last few months, year and a half, COVID-19 has 
caused all of us to think a whole lot more about death than we ordinarily would. And age has nothing to do with it. Uh, the world situations and the situations that are going on in America right now are biblical. Fear is rampant. Afraid not to wear a mask, afraid to touch anybody, afraid to touch the wall, afraid to touch the toilet handle, afraid to touch the door handle, afraid, 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 because we might get, we might get, we might, we might. Fear is not supposed to be a part of our makeup. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power to love and of a sound mind. Yeah, be common, use common sense, be careful, but don't live in fear. God has not put fear on us. Fear is of the devil. And fear has gripped far too many people who profess to be children of God. Christianity is under attack like it has never been under attack before. And during all this COVID thing, the church has been the, the aim of the enemy more than anything else. We could not have, they didn't want us to come to church in California. They were not allowed to sing out loud if they went to church. And they even banned you even having a Bible study in your own home. And if you did, you had to have masks on in your own home. But it was okay to go out in the streets and riot and burn down stores. You see, it's, it's really not about COVID-19. All of this is about destroying the church, believers. But I'm going to tell you something. My Bible tells me that the very gates of hell should not prevail against God's church. So quit walking in fear, quit looking down, and quit saying, oh, my Lord, what are we going to do? No, say, Lord, show me what to do, and I'll do it. And when God tells you to do something, do it. You can know that you've been born again. I'm going to ask some questions that have got obvious answers. How many of you believe that God's Word is true? The Bible is true. What it said it then, it is true now, and it will be true tomorrow. And if we live by the word, it's going to be great. Romans 8.16 says that the Spirit, capital S Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, beareth witness with our little s Spirit that we are the children of God. That simply means that when we are born again, the Holy Spirit will confirm to us, verify to us, Give us peace that we have been born again. We are children of God. Nicodemus came to Jesus and the Lord told him in John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or of a truth, I say unto thee, Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see, he cannot comprehend the kingdom of God. And the seventh verse, he said, Marvel not, don't be amazed, don't be shocked that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Well, Nicodemus did not have the knowledge that we have today. And he said, well, how can I be born again? I can't crawl back in my mother's womb and be born again. And the Lord said, no, but you've got to be born of the water. And that does not mean baptism. That means the natural birth, which is of water. And you must be born of the spirit. You must be born again. And I won't stay on this spot very long, but I want to stay long enough to explain it because I, one, of, one of the things I've learned is a lot of us have accepted some things in our beliefs that we don't really understand, but we accept it because that's the way it is. To be born naturally is quite a dramatic experience for the one being born. For that one that has been born has been securely sleeping and enjoying life for nine months in a puddle of water in its mother's womb, just having a glorious, wonderful time. But suddenly after nine months, the time has come for that baby to be birthed, to be born. And when that baby is born, oh, it's a dramatic experience for the mother as well. But think about the baby. 
when that baby is born, and I have used this term, and I'm trying to think of a better term to use, but I really can't think of a better term, even though I've told us, been told I shouldn't use this word publicly, but I'm going to use it again anyhow. When that baby is born, that baby is stupid. All of a sudden, that baby is, what in the world has happened to me? It can't talk. It can't walk. It can't communicate anyway. Uh, it doesn't know how to feed itself. Doesn't know how to read. And it just messes up his diaper. I mean, that poor little baby's in a whole totally different world where everybody's big. Everybody's doing stuff. Am I supposed to? Can you just try to imagine yourself being a baby? Because you were one time. But even when we were babies, we didn't realize what we were doing. We were trying to learn to be what we were to be, but we don't know how to be what we're supposed to be because we've never been this before. And we can't read, so we can't study it. And when we are born, according to Scripture, we were born under the curse of sin and death, and we're born into sin, and our father is the devil. And we try to make all of our babies like they're saints, but they ain't saints. You notice you never, we all want the baby to say dada or mama first. But the first word that baby says is no. Right? No. You don't have to teach them how to throw a fit. It comes natural. You don't have to teach a child how to lie or to be selfish. Mine, mine, or to throw a hissy fit and take splatter food all over the place. You know, they're learning to live in a brand new world. And when you are born again of the Spirit, Old things are passed away, and all things have become new. And when you are born again, you're stupid again. Because you don't know how to talk in the kingdom of God. You don't know how to walk in the kingdom of God. You don't know how to feed yourself. You don't know how to communicate. And boy, do you ever mess up your diapers a few times when you're born again. Anybody admit you've messed up a few times? And uh, it's painful when you're an adult and you're still a baby. <laughs> but to be born again in the kingdom of God is just as big as experience as it is being born the first time. Because it's a brand new world and everything's new and everything's different. All of a sudden you find yourself thinking differently than you used to think. You find out that the way you used to talk is not for some reason, is not acceptable in this new kingdom. All of everything is brand new. Now, I am the Lord thy God, I change not. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The Word of God is everlasting. God is everlasting. Jesus is everlasting. The Holy Spirit is everlasting. The kingdom of God is everlasting. Far too many people today, preachers, teachers, laity, are trying to rewrite or explain away some of God's painful words because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt any sinner's feelings or especially not anybody who's supposed to be members of the church and be, be Christians. We don't want to hurt their feelings because if we hurt their feelings, they'll have to go to another church and quit supporting this church. So we've got to be careful what we say. And several new well-known preachers have said recently, we need to rewrite the, the writings of Peter and John to make them more conform, conformable to our culture. No, 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 no. We don't, get, we don't change God to make him fit us. We change us to make us fit him. It's the way it goes. I was listening to Jensen Franklin three or four weeks ago, and he said, made, said, made this statement. He said, I want to apologize for many of the preachers of my generation for not preaching the truth. 
And then he went on to say, you can't go to heaven if you live like hell. And there comes a time, people, and if, if you've got any biblical knowledge at all, if you've got any spiritual sensitivity at all, you've got to know that the rapture, the coming of the Lord, whatever it is, is, is closer than it's ever been before. The scripture says, and it's not optional, you must be born again. It doesn't say you ought to be, you could be, you should be. You must be born again. And then he also says, be filled with the Spirit. And then he said, win the lost. Whatever you do, your purpose now is to win the lost. And you can't win the lost if you're not willing to identify the lost. And the only way we can identify the lost is by the Word of God. The Word of God clearly lets us know those who have been born again and those who are still unborn again. Whether we believe it or not, whether churches believe it or not, whether professing Christians believe it or not, there is a heaven. There is a hell. There is a lake of fire. There's going to be a rapture. There's going to be a great tribulation period. There's going to be a judgment day. One of the things that uh, for nearly 14 years we pastored in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And since I mentioned Allentown, let me say that I, mean, I am glad to have my beautiful wife with me. I left the other one at home. And this month, Wanda will start her 26th year of being cancer-free. And uh, yeah, she had six weeks to live, and God is stretching those weeks out, just stretching them out and stretching them out, and we praise God for it. But I was born and raised in the South. I was born in Tampa. And you can't be more Southern than I'm Southern. And back as I was growing up in the South, when somebody died, most of them was going to hell. I mean, it, it, it was tough to get to go to heaven. And... uh I remember as a kid going to the funerals and boy, I hear people, boy, they're going to hell. Well, I moved to Pennsylvania and uh, things are a little different up in, up yonder. And uh, I had a fellow come to me one day and said, would you preach my brother's funeral? He doesn't have a church. And uh, would you preach his funeral? I said, okay. So I went to the wake and I'd never been to a wake before. Well, we didn't call them wakes down here, but they call them wakes up there. So I went to the wake so that I could walk around and listen and kind of find out what kind of a guy this was. I'm going to preach his funeral. And I'd walk by these fellows, and I'd talk to them, and I'd hear the conversation. They'd say, you know, so-and-so, he was one sorry. Mm -hmm. Man, he he ran around with women. He did this, and but buddy, he's in a better place today. And I'm thinking, really? And I'd go listen to somebody else, and they'd say basically the same. But he's in a better place today. I want to say hell ain't better than this. But what I discovered that nobody goes to hell. Everybody goes to heaven. Unfortunately, there are actually preachers who claim to be born again, spirit filled preaching in churches today who have decided that there is no hell and that in the end, even Satan will be going to heaven. And I'm thinking, what Bible are you reading? And then I hear this, well, this is what the Lord spoke to me. Oh, no, he didn't. Because the Spirit and the Word agree. And the Word has been written, and whenever the Spirit speaks, it will confirm the Word that has been written. Amen? And any prophetic Word that does not agree with the Word is not of the Lord. So I have learned a few things, but there is going to be a lake of fire. When you accept, and I, I know there are people watching online, and I don't know all of you. I don't know. Only God really knows us. 
But when you say that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's more than a statement. It's more than just a phrase. When you accept Jesus Christ as you, your Savior, you accept Him as who He is. You accept His plan of salvation. You accept everything He is, and you accept everything He said. Because this Word is His Word. And so when you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you are saying, I accept what He said it in his word, everything he said in his word. Not most of it, not all of it, but no, because this is him. And when you accept Christ, you accept him totally and completely. You say, well, I believe in Jesus. So does the devil. Well, I believe in heaven and hell and the lake of fire. I believe in all that. So does the devil. That doesn't mean you're a Christian because you believe in it. Well, I believe that Jesus is coming back to earth. So does the devil. So, it's, you know, it's not a big deal because the devil believes the same thing. In fact, the devil probably believes it more than most of us. He's familiar with the lake of fire. Well, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose on the third day. So does the devil. So just because you say you believe things does not mean that you've been born again. Being born again, and I have a whole series of sermons that I have preached on this, and don't get alarmed. I'm not going to preach on it today. But being born again has three parts, three phases. The first is repentance. That's, that's our part. That's what I do, repentance. I admit that I'm a sinner. I confess my sins. I repent of who I am. I change my way of thinking. That's my part, repentance. The second part is justification. I have nothing to do with justification. I cannot justify myself. He is in charge of justification. And when he accepts us and we accept him, then he justifies us, which means it's as though it never happened. So all the sins that we have committed before we became born again are forgiven, and it is as though they never happened. And I tell people many, many times, quit telling the Lord and ask the Lord to forgive you for the sins you've committed because they've already been forgiven. So don't remind him of it because you've got to deal with it again, all right? Because he's forgiven you and forgotten it. Repentance is mine. Justification is his. And then regeneration is the third part, and that's what we do together. He teaches me how to walk, how to talk, how to feed myself out of the bread of life. And so the Lord and I recreate me into what he wants me to be when I am born again. So. That's about, I see it don't take long to preach a three series sermon if you just say it real quickly. I want to read a scripture that became to me the most frightening scripture in the Bible. Matthew seven, beginning with the twenty first verse. I'm the fourth generation of preachers. The Church of God, my son, was is the fifth generation. From my great-grandfather down to my son's generation, there are about 40 preachers in our family. And I'm sure that I had heard this scripture time and again. I'm sure my dad read this scripture publicly, and I'm sure I heard it but I obviously never heard it. And I was studying one day when I was pastoring in Fort Worth, Texas in, in the 80s, and I read this scripture, and when I read this scripture, and I had been in ministry for 
several years. It just about scared the living daylights out of me because it hit me like a ton of bricks. The Lord said, and if you've got a red letter Bible, this is in red, which means the Lord said it. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, or Lord calling him Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth, not knoweth, not heard it, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many, not some, not a few, not a couple, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils and done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, when he said, I never knew you, does not mean he didn't know who they were. He knows how many hair we've got on our head if we got any. He knows whether it's a wig or not. He knows who we are. But when he said, I never knew you, means we never had a relationship. The scripture says that Joseph did not know Mary until after Jesus was born. Didn't mean that he married a woman he didn't know. It means he never had an intimate relationship with Mary. They never came together as one. And when Jesus said, I'm sorry, you and I never had a relationship. But you sure you know who I am, Lord. And think about this is when we're standing before God at Judgment Day. Lord, I pastored a church. I, w- I was an evangelist. I had a TV ministry. I I was a professor at the university. I was in the praise team. I was on the board of the church. I mean, go I could go on and on and on and on and on about the things that we are. But the frightening thing is that that time comes and then he will say, I'm sorry, we never had a relationship. You're going to the lake of fire. Well, how how could they prophesy and do many wonderful works? And this is the confusing part, folks. It's really simple. God honors his word, not us. A heathen can speak the words of God, and if someone believes the word, they're going to receive the blessing of that word, regardless of the heathen said it or a child of God said it. Because the word is true, period. If you take the Word of God and you put it in a little pamphlet and, then you, and you lay it on the street corner and somebody comes along and sees it, if they believe it, God honors His Word. And these people, this is, and when I read this, I want to tell you, I fell on my face before God and I said, God, I promise you, I'm not going to be one of those. I'm not going to hear those words, depart from me, I never knew you. Because that Scripture really shook me to my very foundation. There are going to be some people, and you know, if you read that, it sounds like a bunch of Pentecostal folks because they're prophesying, speaking in tongues, so to speak. I mean, miracles are taking place. They did many wonderful works. Sounds like a bunch of Pentecostal people to me. But he's going to look at some of those Pentecostal people and say, I'm sorry. You may have done a good job doing what you was doing. You was pretty good at prophesying. And I'll tell you what, 
uh, a year ago, whenever President Trump lost the election, I've never heard so many prophetic words in my life. He was going to be reinstalled as president on March the 4th. I mean, prophecies, prophecies, every one of them fell flat on their face. Just because somebody says it's from God doesn't mean it come from God. If it came from God, it'll be just exactly as he said it did. And if it didn't come from God, it's liable to do anything. Period. You better know that you know that you have been born again. It's not worth taking a chance over. Well, if I, well, if I go to the altar again, people think I've been a hypocrite. Well, you have been. You've been a liar. You've been a fraud. Yeah, but I'm the pastor. It doesn't make any difference. If you've not been born again, you haven't been born again. You've been living a fake life. And I'm going to tell you, it'd be better to confess it here and change it here than to get to the judgment day and find out and then go to the lake of fire. It's too late then. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. <clears throat> when you were born again, until you have been born again, Satan rules your life. He is your Lord. Jesus said to the unbelievers when he was here, he said, I know you, you're of your father the devil. You're a liar. He's a liar. But when you are born again, Satan moves out, and Jesus moves in. And the Holy Spirit moves in. The presence of God moves in within your being, and you have a new experience. It's a dramatic experience. Oh, how dramatic it really is. We are all born in sin, but when we're born again, Jesus becomes our controller. When you are born again, God's love, agape, moves in. Jesus takes residence. The Holy Spirit takes residence. And what you hear from within you is now Jesus speaking to you. The devil still talks to you, but he's on the outside. He's tormenting you. He's trying to get you. He's hollering at you, trying to get your attention. But listen to who's on the inside. Now, there are those who believe and teach that a child of God can be demon-possessed. No way. No way. Because the Scripture says, how can he that is without come within unless he first of all bind who is within and cast him out. And if you believe that Satan can bind up Jesus, you got a serious problem. Jesus lives within me, and I'm going to tell you, I do not have demons within me. They can't get in. I have the presence of God living within me. Oh, the devil torments all the time, screaming and yelling at me. Hey, 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 do this, do that. Uh, no, 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 no. Me and Jesus got a good thing going on, and I ain't changing what I got for you anymore. You better know that you know that you know that you've been born again. Now, you're going to help me preach the rest of my sermon. This is how you can know that you know that you know you've been born again. After you have been born again, you don't have to go to church. You want to go to church. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You see, the Sunday before you were born again, he that was in you said, boy, you don't want to go to church. You don't want to go to church. You don't want to go to church. But the Sunday after you're born again, Jesus on the inside says, hey, it's Sunday. We get to go to church today. We get to go to church today. We get to go to church today. Amen. I'm making it very plain, but it's still not easy to swallow. You don't have to read the Bible. You want to read the Bible because this is what you live off of. This is the bread of life. You want to read it. But I don't understand it. Well, dummy, 
You couldn't read first grade stuff when you went to school either. But the more you read, the more you're able to read, and the more you learn, and the more you read the Bible, the more clear it gets because the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. And I want to emphasize all truth. If you are born again, and you hear somebody, a politician, a preacher, or a teacher, or a neighbor, or a friend, or whatever, if you hear somebody say something that is not the truth, he who is within you will say, Oh, don't believe that. That's not the truth. Amen, folks. This is simple. It is so simple, but it is a fact. How many of you have been talking to somebody or somebody was telling you something and it was almost like a red flag went up? You, you, you knew that wasn't the truth. Yeah. Well, I don't know where that came from. Greater is he that is in you. There's a still small voice within you. Sometimes that still vo small voice, someone said, don't go down that road. Don't go down that road. Things are not better down there. Don't go down that road. Oh, you hear me? Listen to who's talking to you on the inside, not on the outside. The devil will put up billboards. But there's a still small voice in here speaking to you. You don't have to pray. You want to pray. You want to talk to the Lord. You want to spend time with the Lord. And then you, not only that, but when you're praying, it's a good thing to listen every once in a while. <laughs> Some of us, when we pray, all we do is talk and tell the Lord what we want. Then we don't, when He tries to speak, we're not listening. I said a few weeks ago in a church, I said, you know, there's some things about God I don't like. And it was, <gasps> I said, you don't either. Sometimes He doesn't do things when I want them done. And there are times he doesn't do things the way I wanted them done. Anybody relate to that? You know, when we pray, we, we, we know how, we know how we, you know, Lord, if you'll just do this and this and this and this and this. And he said, well, if you know all about it, go and do it yourself. But God's got a better way of doing what we want done than what we've come up with yet. And his timing is a whole lot better than ours is. So when we pray, we need to do a little bit of listening. Uh, when you are become born again, you don't have to forgive. You want to forgive. Because the Scripture says uh, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, Father, I want you to forgive me the same way I forgive others. You better think about that whenever you pray that prayer. Because some of you probably holding grudges, been holding them for a long, long time, and you're asking the Lord to hold a grudge against you. Oh. But when you are born again, you want to forgive because it blesses the person that you've holding a grudge against, and it blesses you too because they're forgiven, and you've also you've done the job of forgiving, and it just feels a whole lot better. You don't have anything to worry with because you've forgiven. So come on, folks, let's forgive. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. You've done some pretty bad things yourself, too. Well, I've been hurt. You've hurt others. I mean, if you've hurt anybody, don't you want them to forgive you? You don't have to forgive. You want to forgive. You don't have to share the word, but you want to share the word. You don't have to oppose evil. You want to oppose evil. It is time for the children of God to stand up for what's right and against what's wrong. Quit letting Congress, politicians, teachers tell us what's right and wrong. We got the book. We've got the Spirit dwelling within us to tell us what's right and wrong. Yeah, but they said it's okay. It don't make any difference what they said. It's what he said. It's wrong, it's wrong. Man, I got put on the spot a few months ago. And I said, oh, dear Lord, <clears throat> when we're living in Georgia, 
I played golf with a bunch of guys and one day I was out playing along, I was playing by myself and I caught up with this friend of mine and his daughter, thought it was his daughter. It was his daughter, but it didn't look like a daughter. And he asked me to join him and I thought, oh dear Lord, because he knew I was a preacher and and she was, uh, she didn't know whether she was boy or girl. That's just the only way to put it. And uh, I was very uncomfortable because I've, the Lord helped me keep my mind on my golf game and not, don't let me say things stupid. Don't let me cause any problems here. Because I don't know how he thinks it's his daughter, and I don't want to offend him, and I don't want to offend her. Because after all, I'm playing golf. I didn't come out here to preach. And uh, so we made it through that, and several months later, Congress passed a bill that, you know, what all that stuff was. And then I was playing golf with Richard again, and we were on the 13th tee. And just before I was fixing the tee off, and when you, if you, anybody here play golf? See, when you play golf, you don't want to talk about nothing. You're there to play golf. You're not, if you're a preacher, you're not there to preach. You're not there to talk about the Bible. You're there to play golf. And just as I'm about to go to the tee box, he says, Preacher, what do you think about what Congress voted last week? I said, Do you? And boy, I prayed in a hurry. I don't know how I got all this in, but I prayed and I, saw, I besought the Lord. I said, oh, dear Lord, help me say something right. Save me stand up for what's right, but don't let me mess up. I don't want to hurt his feelings. You know what? All this is going through my mind, and it's time to hit the golf ball. And finally, I said, Congress cannot make a law that changes God's word. And he said, yes. And I said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. It's his daughter, but he and he's not a Christian. But he knows what the word of God says. And I'm I said, thank you, Lord, for helping me say something that did offend him, but got the point across and made it true. Now let me hit my golf ball. We've got to stand up for what's right and stand against what's wrong, regardless of who might be offended by it. Folks, there's a whole lot more sinners than there are saints. So the odds are, if you stand up for God, there's going to be some people who are going to be offended. But, hallelujah, Jesus told us it's going to happen. He said, just go do what I'm telling you to do. Oh, he said, many will be offended by you, but they're not mad at you. They're not hate you. It's me in you that they hate. Just go do what I tell you to do. So God give us a holy boldness that we will go out and stand up for the kingdom of God. Amen. If you've been born again, you don't have to vote according to Scripture, but you want to vote according to Scripture. If you've been born again, you don't have to pray for others to prosper and be in health, but you want other people to prosper and be in health. I've pastored some folks that I know God had a hard time loving because they didn't love anybody and they didn't want anybody to prosper. They didn't want anybody. They were always glad when somebody got sick because I don't know the life they've been living, sin in their life. They deserve to be sick. They earned it. God, boy, you're putting God to the test loving you. And I've had people when somebody would drive up in a new car, oh, you got a new car. But we're supposed to be, hey, you've got a new car. Congratulations. You deserve it, brother. So-and-so said, you deserve that. Mm, not greed and jealousy over somebody being blessed. Hallelujah. When somebody's blessed, God's blessing these people. Rejoice with them. Don't pout because you ain't got your BMW yet or whatever it is. I don't want a BMW. That's fine. Don't make any difference. You can have whatever you want. But rejoice when other people are blessed. When God does something for them, rejoice with them. Don't pout because you didn't get something yourself. Rejoice with others. Celebrate with others. You don't have to encourage fellow believers. You want to encourage folks. Hold on to this one now. 
When you become born again, you don't have to tithe. You want to tithe. Because he who wrote the book lives within us. And I'm going to tell you, he's not the one who's telling you, you could use that money for something else. Why don't you just skip this week? That ain't Jesus. That's the devil put a billboard out there trying to tempt you. I'm going to tell you in simple terms about tithe. When you become born again, well, I'll start out. My son came to me when he was a teenager. He said, Dad, none of my friends, dads, have rules for them like you do for me. I said, that's because I ain't their daddy. If they was my kid, they'd have the same rules you got. And you're not going to be judged by their daddy. You're going to be judged by your daddy. Now, some of the plans that God has don't really make sense in this world. But if you've been born again, you no longer live in this world. You're in the kingdom of God. You just happen to be here. And the rules in the kingdom of God are quite different than those over there. When you were in the world and you got a paycheck, the whole thing was yours. But when you became a child of God, <laughs> the week after you became a child of God and you got your paycheck, the whole thing wasn't yours. Only 90% of it was yours. 10% of it is the Lord's. And here's the little thing. With that 10%, you see, the Lord's got a whole lot of blessings for his people. But if he cannot trust you to give him back what is his, he can't trust you with anything else. But when you start proving that he can trust you with his 10% to give it back to him, he starts blessing you with more because he's found out he can trust you. And when you've been born again, you don't have to pay tithes. You want to pay tithes because it opens up avenues of blessings coming your way, and it just gets better and better. How many of you want it to get better? Then just honor God with what's his, and it's going to get better, okay? You don't have to come into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, but you just can't hardly help yourself. When you come into the house of the Lord, there's just something wonderful happens and takes place. It's kind of hard for us to imagine this today because things are quite different. But back in the Bible days, when they were coming together to go to the temple, they would, families would sing songs and psalms on the way to the temple. And so as they were walking to the temple, they'd hear another family coming over here, and they're singing praises. And then another family, and the closer they got, the more they came together. They started having a choir before they ever got to the temple. And back in my early days, I remember not everybody had cars. I actually remember people riding buggies to church. It was kind of odd. That was in Texas. But people were used to that ride their buggies from the farm to the church, and they would sing all the way to church, coming into his presence with thanksgiving and into the house of worship with praise. Well, I don't have anything to praise him for. My word in heaven, if you've been living out there all week long, putting up with all that's going on out there all week long, and it finally comes the Lord's day and you get to get away from all of that and come in here and just celebrate. It's worth coming for. And it's worth doing. You better know that you know that you know you've been born again. Don't take a chance. I don't want to hear. I'm not going to hear those words. I done, I've done, I made sure of it. What I'm going to hear in spite of my frailty, in spite of my weakness, in spite of my failures, when I get there, I know that I'm going to hear, you did a pretty good job, son.
Come on in. Yippee! I'm going to be hollering hallelujah and hot dog and everything else when I'm going through the pearly gates. Amen? Glory, hallelujah. You better know that you know that you know you've been born again. Father, may the words that I have shared today take root in every heart in this sanctuary and those who may have been watching. Because when we come into your presence, Lord, we do not want to hear Depart from me, I never knew you. Bless this pastor and his wife. Bless this congregation. Bless the ministry of this church. Lord, help them to reach more and more and more people. Minister to more and more people. In Jesus' precious name, amen.